Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. text for our message this morning comes from our Gospel lesson from Matthew, which was read for you a few moments ago. Today we hear from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And just as he spoke to his followers over 2,000 years ago, he says to you and me today, You are that which salts the earth. You are that which gives light to the world. Now, it's worth stating that you can only accomplish this calling because Jesus has already accomplished this in you. Jesus has salted you. Jesus has preserved and kept you. Jesus, the light of the world, has scattered your darkness, shined his glorious light into your hearts and minds, and opened your blind eyes to see the truth of his resurrection and his victory over death and the grave. Jesus has redeemed you, restored you, filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you may go out into this world and salt it. He's empowered you to help preserve his creation, to be ambassadors of reconciliation and agents of restoration. What an exciting mission. What a joyful task that our Lord has bestowed on each of us. So brothers and sisters in Christ, so fellow salt shakers and bearers of God's light... What does this look like? What does it mean for us to salt the earth? As I thought about this, as I've listened to other wise Christians discuss it, as I've prayed about it and looked to God's word for understanding, I think that at times we have slipped into an unbiblical mindset regarding this calling from Jesus. I think the biggest problem is that we have a tendency to measure We tend to measure out the salt that we spread, and we even tend to measure our own saltiness, our own brightness, our own faith. We measure rather than love extravagantly, without prejudice and without counting the cost. My goal this morning is that after hearing my message, you would more extravagantly salt your communities with the grace and truth of Christ. And to accomplish this, I'd like for you to consider two images The first is a cook, and the second is a gritcher driver. I think that when it comes to salting, we often view this task like a cook. A cook looks at the recipe and says, This dish needs a teaspoon of salt, and this meal needs a pinch of salt, and this plate may not even need salt at all. And then after the meal is served, each guest will salt to their own taste, to their own liking. In other words, the cook mentality is to measure out the salt. And this could be as simple as your mood. Sometimes you're in a good mood, and you feel like being hospitable and sharing and just simply bringing joy into other people's lives. And sometimes you hold back because you're a grumpy bear, and you don't want to have anything to do with anyone. Ain't no salt coming out of your shaker. And this certainly does need to be addressed. Each of us, as baptized believers, must daily die to the old Adam, that grumpy bear lurking within us, and in repentance rise to new life and seek to follow Christ with new joy and zeal. And yet, I think that there's an even deeper problem that we are facing today as the church. This is not just a daily mood problem, but a much more deep-seated false thinking that has permeated our minds. The church has found itself sitting on the sidelines because we think that our salt only belongs in certain places. Again, like a cook, we measure it out in one place and not in another. 
Let me explain. In many of his writings, Martin Luther organized human life into three estates. We live out our lives in these three estates, in these three realms, the family, the church, and the state. So vocationally, in the family, you may be called to be a father, a mother, a child, a sister, or a brother. In the church, you may be a pastor or laity. You may serve on the altar guild or on the board of trustees or as a Sunday school teacher. And in regards to the state, you may be a governing official, a senator, a mayor. You may serve on your local school board or even be the president or a king of a country. And each of us are called to be citizens of our countries, states, cities, and counties. You may already guess where I'm going with this, but if we stick with that Cook image, in which of these estates do you think our salt may be lacking? Where have our measurements come up short? Now granted, we live in each estate simultaneously, and we fall short in each and every calling that God has given to us. I mean, who doesn't have family conflict? How often does a, a member of the family get written off as a lost cause? How often is there bickering in the church? How often do we lack volunteers and a heart for service? But I think the realm where we have really failed regarding our calling is as citizens of the state. What does Jesus say about what we are to do with our light? He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here's the problem. We fail to heed these words of Jesus. And believe me, I see it in myself as well. When it comes to our role in the state, in the government, we as Christians often tend to withhold our salt to cover our light. But this should not be. God does not qualify which realms of life we are to salt and which ones we are to ignore. Have you heard of people, maybe even yourself, say that politics do not belong in the church? If so, have you challenged this thinking? Have you been challenged in this thinking? I mean, when you break it down, politics is simply a group of people making decisions on behalf of the betterment of people. Pretty sure God is interested in that. And pretty sure that as Christians, full of God's wisdom, we have a pretty important voice to bring to the table. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying pastors should be preaching whether or not you should vote Republican or Democrat. But we should be weighing in on what God has to say about topics in the public square. That's why I've really appreciated Pastor Wilsey, what he's been doing, shedding light on these bioethics topics. Abortion, in vitro fertilization, euthanasia. These are tough topics to sort out, and we need the wisdom of God's word to be brought to bear on each of them. We are called to be extravagant with the salt that we use to preserve the state. We need to break away from that cook mentality and move toward the gritter driver mentality. I understand that many of you may not even know what a gritter is. You see, I'm, I'm from Minnesota. Deaconess can help me out here. Um, up north, we get this stuff called snow and ice. 
And so the gritter trucks are the salt spreaders. They, they come out and they salt the roads, melt the ice, and make it safe for us to drive. Now, if you ever see one of these trucks in action, you will see that the salt is just flying all over the place. They try to keep the salt on the road for the most part, but it gets everywhere. On cars, potential passerbys, it gets in the gutters, sometimes even on the sidewalks and in the grass. What it makes me think of is Jesus' parable of the sower. The sower goes out to spread the seed, and he does it extravagantly. He spreads it on the path, on the rocks, on the thorns, and of course, on the soil. Now, normal farmers don't do this, right? I mean, it seems like a waste of seed. But that's the point. Jesus doesn't measure out his word. He spreads it out lavishly to all people and in all places. And you and I are called to do the same. I think very often our salt and light withholding, it may not even be intentional. But the devil, the devil in his wiles, he'll use his lies to create this false mindset of defeat or self-preservation. And then that leads us to only give a pinch of salt here and a little bit of light there. Let me give a couple personal examples. First, I've been serving as a chaplain now with the Coast Guard for a little over a, a year and a half, which means I'm halfway through my three-year orders and I'm already starting to look where me and my family may be going next. Could be on a Navy ship, could be with the Marines, could be just down the road, could be overseas. And as I've thought about this, one thing I've found myself saying over and over in it again is, I'd prefer not to go to California. <laughs> now, I have some practical concerns, like the moving distance, the higher cost of living, but my biggest concern continues to be living in a state with a strong liberal agenda that is at odds with God's truth. Now, I'm not saying that these aren't valid concerns, or even that my desire to protect my family from false teaching isn't noble, but my fear is that I can slip into a Jonah mentality. Remember the prophet Jonah and the big fish? God told him to go and preach to Nineveh, but Jonah kept running away. And when he finally did go by God's compulsion, he sat and watched, hoping to see the fireworks of God's wrath. You see, we cannot allow the devil to convince us that there are certain places or people in the world that are beyond saving. As if, like Jonah, I'm just supposed to sit back and watch them burn and corrode away. That's that cook mentality, not the gritter driver mentality. Let me give a second example. My children are starting to get to the age where they will start setting their sights on certain professions. How would I feel if one of my children wanted to go into politics? I'm not sure. I mean, I have to imagine that would be a tough job, but an important one, right? We could use some good Lutheran congressmen and senators. Let me take it a step further. What if my son wanted to be a police officer? I think my gut reaction would be to deter him. It's a very volatile and dangerous vocation today. Police officers are judged very harshly. Their every action is under the microscope, and they are often very underappreciated. I've even struggled a little bit when people ask me about military chaplaincy. I mean, it's a great, fulfilling calling, a great job. I get to go out and tell people about Jesus like a missionary. 
But honestly, I worry that the military powers that be continue to push liberal agendas that oppress religious freedom. It makes it difficult to encourage others to join the cause. But again, that's the wrong mentality, right? We need good Christian men and women to serve the state as police officers, as military, as politicians, and the list goes on and on. If we let these institutions of the state go, if we place them in the hands of less moral people, what will that mean for the future of our country? What will that mean for our communities? It's so easy for you and me to abdicate our responsibility as citizens of the state. We can become complacent and defeated. I mean, why take the energy to go out and vote? It's just, it's just one vote. It's not going to make a difference, right? How many of us in our conversations have expressed our frustrations regarding the direction of the country, the erosion of our culture? We are exasperated as we complain about our leaders, our school system, and the media. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. The temptation, the desire of the devil is for us to just say, I'm not going to worry about any of that. I'm just going to shut the news off. I'm just going to focus on my family, my job, and my church. But as Christians, as God's salt shakers and light bearers, we don't have that option. And if we think that we can hide from the culture, we are sorely mistaken. Each realm will affect one another. The family, the church, and the state all influence one another for good or for bad. Let me give you one good example to consider. Some of you may know Matt Walsh, a self-proclaimed Christian, a, a blogger who's now been working for the conservative media outlet, The Daily Wire. He took the time and energy to speak at a school board in Virginia. And what he was doing is he was opposing policies concerning transgender indoctrination of the students. A very noble task. But the best part is that his own children didn't even attend the school. I'm pretty sure that he homeschools all of his children. And yet, he felt it his responsibility to go and stand up for the truth, to spread that salt like a, like a gritter driver and shine God's light in the darkness. I know that takes a lot of courage, and, and we can't all be Matt Walsh's. And that's actually the last point that I'd like to make this morning. Not only do we have a tendency to measure out the salt that we spread, we tend to measure our own saltiness and brightness. How salty are you? How bright are you? How faithful are you? These are the wrong questions to be asking. If you noticed earlier, I intentionally adopted the translation from Dr. Gibbs' Matthew commentary where he says, You are that which salts the earth. You are that which gives light to the earth. Most translations will say, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But you see, these passages here are not about your identity. These are your callings, your, the actions, the good works that flow out of your identity. This section that Jesus talks about salt and light comes right after his blessing statements, his beatitudes, where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is your identity. Your identity is twofold. First, 
First, your identity is that you are a poor, sinful, lowly beggar. Each and every one of us. But second, Jesus has died for you. Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus has filled you with his Holy Spirit and promised you a place in his kingdom. And so you are a rich, righteous, innocent child of the king. That is your identity. And so as I come come to a close, let me leave you with this final thought. Like the prodigal son, we are tempted to say to our Heavenly Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. But before we can even get those words out of our mouths, God runs to us, embraces us, and welcomes us with open arms. Jesus, he finishes this text by saying, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you need to be saltier. He isn't saying that you need to be brighter. He's saying, stop measuring. Stop measuring your faith like the scribes and the Pharisees. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he has fulfilled the law perfectly for you and for me. God is done measuring. He loves you with a reckless, extravagant, prodigal love, and he's called you to the same. Not a pinch of salt like a cook, but a dumping, an outpouring of salt like a gritter, bringing the safety, security, and hope of Christ's love to you and to all. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and protect your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.